Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is Wade. We are in the Wade Park studio today. Directly to my left, I have John. On my right, I have Brandon, better known as Buck. And then, of course, for everybody that has been listening to our podcast, this one's a special treat, especially the guys that really, really are passionate about fitness, the train-to-hunt guys, the backcountry do-it-yourselfers. We have a guest with us that is phenomenal in all of those categories. He's uh, one of our great customers, and he is truly like the icon that you probably don't know when it comes to backpacking in the backcountry, hunting, doing all that. And today, we're just going to go around the horn. We're going to talk to him. We're going to see, you know, what he does, tips and tactics, and we're going to talk to him about what he's shot in the past, what he's shooting this year, and his hunts and everything. So, Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, straight across from me, we have Mr. Jim Schulte. How you doing, Jim? Good, good. Glad to have you on. And uh, Brandon and John, you guys are, you know Jim very well. Yeah. And you guys are going to kind of lead this as we, we get into it. But Jim, if you wouldn't mind, just take us on a little crash course, a little history about you and, uh, you know, how you kind of got started in your hunting and your, your archery background and then what drove you into the, the fitness side of things and, and mental and physical preparation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I started in archery back in the early nineties, honestly, and started shooting then and doing a little bull hunting around Minnesota. Uh, nothing too nuts. And then as, uh, time progressed on and moved in through life, I started getting into it more and more, um, shooting archery country league, um, doing a bunch of 3d shoots throughout the area. And then uh, finally took the, jumped in and uh, started doing some out-of-state hunts. Um, sort of seemed like a big leap at first, but uh, once you get doing it, it, it's really not that hard to navigate the systems of each state. So my job as a host is to paint a pretty picture for everybody who's listening in. And if you were to look at Jim, for those of you that know him, you already know, but he would be like the Rambo of archery. Um, this dude is chiseled and I'm not being weird, but just like he's ripped and he's ready to rock and he could tackle any mountain face or go anywhere, but you live here. You're, you're from Minnesota, born and raised in Minnesota. I am. Yep. And, uh, but you do a lot of other things besides your out West hunting and getting prepared for that. Some of your preparation is just simply camping and not like an overnighter in a tent in the backyard. You're actually you know, simulating what you're going to see out west and doing that? Yeah, we actually uh, just back got back from a simulation trip up on the North Shore. We uh, went in with my hunting partner on a Friday afternoon at about 4 and uh, walked out on Sunday 38 miles later at 1. 38 so, miles? <laughs> yeah, we camped a couple nights and on spent... Your on your feet. Yeah, spent the evenings, you know, and... Watch the sunset, and, and so like so Jim, yeah, so it was. It wasn't like we were walking all through the night or nothing. Yeah. But uh, and you but, guys, while you were doing that, you're kind of, I mean, you're trying out gear for your hunt. That was the idea behind that, or yeah, what? I actually uh, just upgraded my tent system and sleeping arrangements. So I wanted to try that out, see how that was all going to work out. Everything worked out really nice. Ended up uh, getting a Z Pack tarp. And then their Z-Pack quilt 
And, uh, yeah, my tarp all loaded up, ready to go with steaks and everything weighs 10 ounces. Really? Yeah. And my, uh, it's a 20 degree quilt now that I got, uh, down 19 ounces in the, in the stuff sack. So So you're like sub three pounds on sleep system. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So. So has that been like a work in the progress, you know, from your elk hunts before or camping trips before that you've. Yeah. I, I started out the process, uh extremely heavy if you will decent gear but really heavy stuff and through the years i've just whittled down weight and so let's can we regress here a second i want to ask jim um so obviously you you've started shooting archery in the early 90s uh mainly hunted minnesota for a few years got your feet with whitetail all that kind of fun stuff and i know you whitetail hunt pretty heavily in minnesota and not just like one basic farm you you hit up a few different areas in minnesota um let's start with like the very first elk hunt you went on uh guided unguided where were you what was it like and let's start there oh the first elk hunt i was on was in colorado um it was a draw unit that we draw the first time we put in for and it was a outfitter drop camp so we had a wall tent set up with cots in it and then we went up uh, and hunted from there Uh, we actually brought our own spike camp made spike camp on on a different area i thought maybe there was just to get away from where other hunters had been in the wall tent because the wall tents obviously stationed there for the year Mm -hmm. so and then from there did you guys get into elk on that trip uh, we did get to see some, yeah. uh, no, no shots at nothing on, on the first trip. Yep. So would you say like that first trip then is that you kind of got a taste for, is that what like really drove yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you got the, I mean, you got the edge. I, I was in within 30 yards of a really, really nice bull and just in the brush and had no opportunity to, to even get my bow drawed back, much less fling an arrow. So, uh, but just seeing the critter that, that that range and on the ground and that big and that lit the fire. Yeah, that was, uh, that was it. Um, like I say, I, I always did some workout stuff, some training, um, but on, on a seven day hunt and then you want to walk four or five miles a day, you know, on the, on the low end of things mm-hmm. on the fourth day, your legs don't really want to go that well, especially if you're doing up and downs in that day. Yeah, if you're walking around at one elevation, it isn't, you know, maybe the end of the world. But when you got to change a couple thousand feet in elevation from morning to evening and do it again. And again. And, and again and again. <laughs> and, and you get tired. And so I just noticed my falling off towards the end of the week and really didn't want to give up my my time in the woods because my legs or my back or my shoulder didn't want me to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that time is valuable we only get so much of it right there's only so many septembers there's only so many days that i get to be off in september and mm-hmm. yeah so um when you guys were on on this hunt and and earlier in the podcast you had, you had said you know started hunting in minnesota and then finally got over that that unknown of going out of state that first time you went out uh partially guided drop camp 
right? Right. Yeah. Right. So that got your feet wet. You got out west, and you're like, "All right, this is this is lit. This is what I like." What from there? What was the next step? You, you got over that unknown of going. Did you go with people that you knew, or what? What triggered yeah. that first trip? Actually, someone here from Archery Country talked me into going out with them for the first time. Okay. And and that's where I I started going to the elk hunting side of things. I've hunted uh, in Hawaii previous to that uh, for out-of-state stuff. Um, was probably one of the harder licenses that I found to get. In Hawaii? Yeah. Okay. Once you get it, it's it's easy to get back and keep. But uh, you actually, when I did it, you actually had to physically send paperwork to them, and then they vetted you from there to for your licenses. So. What were you hunting in Hawaii, Jim? Uh, we hunted Spanish goat, Ibex goat, pigs. Uh, and that, is that kind of like in the, like kind of somewhat the mountains, would you call it the mountains in Hawaii or like the volcano range yeah, or something? On, on the mountains. So even uh, that's kind of, can be a butt kicker, I suppose, in certain spots. For sure. It's, uh, it goes from sea level to, I think, 10.5 in three and a half miles. Oh yeah. So some so, steep stuff. Right. It's. That's steeper than steep. Yeah. I mean, cause you can see all to the ocean the whole time you're hunting and then drop into these little valleys and canyons and washouts from lava shoots. And it's, uh, is that a, uh, is that like it's a, a tough hunt target target rich once you get into them? It really, yeah. You get some shooting in? Yep, you can definitely get some shooting in. Um, so, so when you say a tough one, you're not talking so much like finding the game. It's just it's getting to them. Yeah, sometimes it's getting to them. Um, the hog hunts weren't as so much physical tough. The goat hunt, just because of the terrain that you had to go up and down, up and down, up and down through these washouts to get to where they were, you know, that way it became a... So then are you guys like when you're in Hawaii and you're shooting these goats... Um, and hogs, are you packing them out then or how you, how you getting them out once you, is it just like, yeah, we're on your back and yeah, we're uh, quartering it up and deboning most everything there. Um, late in the day, I guess we have just quartered it and thrown them in bone in and come out that way heavy. So as far as, and for those of you that have already sparked an interest in this, you clicked on the podcast because we talked about out west preparation and do it yourself. Um, a lot of you, a lot of our listeners are going to be searching for the the heart of this podcast. And I think that leads with just a few stories you just told us. You do a lot of research, a lot more than any of us here. And, and Brandon and John, you guys go out west quite a bit and you do some rugged terrain as well. And you can add in on this, but... For me to sit here and read like a product or do a product review on packs or or sleeping bags or, you know, just all of that information, you you guys are living it, and especially you, Jim. You're you're going through this. Like you said, you started with a heavy, now you're super light and you're satisfied with your, your sleeping arrangements on that. Take us through how important uh, your gear is and you can give us a little insight on some of your gear is you know and then we're, then we're then i want i don't want to steer down the road of preparation as far as physical fitness mm-hmm. but just for like do some do some gear that you find and, and that's the great thing is we're not worried we're not name dropping we're not trying to sell anything anything and everything that you see the bed the best you know and the good and then the worst and and kind of go through that for your equipment 
Sure. Um, I have a whole room of different gear that I've tried through the years. Um, like I say, I've tried heavy, medium, light, all kinds of different brands of, of stuff through the years. Uh, but right now, I got my st- uh, everything down. I run a jet boil cook stove. Um, I've been doing, I just tried some next mile meals. Um, a pretty good meal. And then I've been doing some stuff off the North Shore, uh, Camp Chow, it's called. So for, for freeze-dried I get you. meals for yep. uh, evening or, or lunches, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at there. Um, I run mainly sick gear just for the fact that, I mean, anytime you get in any moisture or rain and you come out of it and the sun comes back out, you, you're basically dry as by the time it happens. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how how fast that happens. Um, I do carry a light long john, really light uh, long john, and then my main pant. Um, I carry a puffy pant and coat just for sitting glassing times in the mornings, you know, chilly. Um, a light beanie hat, extra pair of socks, and... Honestly, just the food, game bags, yeah. You know, a few a uh, few essentials, first aid kit. And when we're talking this gear list, we're um, talking archery, elk hunting. So this archery, is, elk. This is uh, September. This September, isn't late season not, rifle not, hunt. No, not cold weather. Yeah. Um, so what do you uh, what do you run for boots, Jim? Uh, Have you tried a bunch of different ones and just kind of your feet like a certain style or a certain? Yeah, certain I ran boot? them Salem's for. Probably four years, the, I don't know if they're X4s or something. Uh, they seem to make it a, a one year for me. Um, partial training and then hunting. And by the time the next season comes around, I'll, I'll use them for, for training with them. And they just won't uh, hold water. You go out even the dewy morning, your feet are wet, you know. So uh, I went to a leather, uh, Zamberlin. No, uh, I've run that for about the last three years and it's really been a good boot for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've been liking it. It's maybe a little bit heavier than some, but, uh, really rigid sole. Yeah. And then what do you, uh, what do you carry in, you know, all your stuff for a pack? What are you carrying everything in? And have you, obviously I know before this, you said you've kind of been camping most of your life, even before you were into hunting, but you know, different packs you've had through the years and what do you use now and why do you use that versus maybe some of the stuff you've had in the past and what you've learned? Yeah, I've uh, had some North Face packs, just uh, basic backpacking packs uh, for overnight stuff. Um, and then now I did I did have a Sitka pack for, for a couple of years and, and now I run a Mystery Ranch uh, Metcalf. It, uh, it hauls weight really, really well. Yeah, and actually, that's the same pack me and John mm-hmm. have had for a few years now too. Yeah, and it uh, it springs open, and there's a nice nice meat pot package, you know, and it, and the meat straps in there real nice, and your gear goes right back over the top, and and you're back on the trail, you know, um, especially like that when we were in Hawaii there, because them hogs really aren't that much meat by the time you get done cleaning it and getting it to just meat. And so, I mean, you put it in your pack and 
off you go and you start hunting again. Um, just, I mean, we can have two hogs and two goats and deer and then your limit starts over again in the morning. So, so Jim, like, let's say for example, me, uh, I got drawn, let's just say air quotes. I got drawn out West. I'm ready. Right. I got my new boots. I got my Sitka gear. I got my new pack. You're preparing long before the week before, right? You're not just putting the boots on and going around the block and then packing everything up and heading out West. You're, you're almost trying to set a situation so that when you get out there, it's, it's almost instinct. Everything, the boots are working, the packs working, everything. Take us a little bit through that as like your, your preparation. You gave us the tools, but now how do you prepare? Yeah. Um, just like I said, the other week we did full sim, just, I mean, all gear went with us, uh, on the North shore there, you know, knowing we're not going to need everything, but just to have full weight and just exactly what you're going to use and, and get out and use it mm-hmm. and, and make it work and, and see what adjustments you want to make. Uh, I changed from, we had a sleep strap that would go around my air mat and then clip into my, uh, quilt. And I changed that to uh, stick on glue on pads to the bottom of my uh, sleep mat that stay right with the sleep mat instead of our flopping around loose because it was fine when we were hiking. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden you want to set up at 930 at night in the dark or nine at night after you've been out for the day and you got these black straps you're fumbling around with and it's just not ideal. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if you get the time to get out and use your gear and tweaking it before you yeah before you're out there because because once you're out there i mean you're out there Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 a day's hike back to a truck and then a lot of times you know half a day's drive to anywhere of any resemblance of a town i think that's probably like some of the best advice for a first time elk hunter is if you're planning a trip like this and you've never been out there and never experienced it and it doesn't even have to be elk. It could be really any out-of-state Western hunt you're doing by yourself and you're camping. Go use your stuff. You're going to have to tweak some things. Anything sure. to make your trip better. You know, that way if you're not seeing the game, maybe you're getting a better night's rest and you're ready to go for the next day. Like those little things can go a long, long ways on a trip. Yep. Just being, like I say, just being able to be stuck to your sleeping pad and not sliding off it every all night waking up cold because you're laying on the ground and not on your sleeping pad um i mean just some of that stuff just makes a trip just that much better and and you feel better in the morning and you want to go again you know what do you uh what are you doing for water we didn't touch on that what how do you do your water system on most of your elk hunts uh your camping trips even i run the sawyer filter now i run the i used to run that msr ceramic filter it was a pump style um but the filter weighs so much and i'm just trying to get my weight down just to make everything more enjoyable mm-hmm. the, the whole reason i so how does that doing it i guess I, you know and i'm not familiar with a lot of that stuff either how does that work you just fill it up and it uh, this, slowly it's a it's a bag that you fill with dirty water from the creek or stream and then you screw right onto the top of the filter and then just squeeze the bag or roll the bag and so then this would uh, be the, into your the sawyer squeeze yep the sawyer squeeze okay. um i have the gravity model too for uh, maybe if we do with like a bigger group 
um, because I think that's a six liter bag Mm -hmm. with a hanging bag for dirty and a clean bag on the ground. And it just gravity feeds through. And that Sawyer Squeeze, I believe that one also has like a filter where you could run it in line to your bladder. Yep. You can uh, hook that in line with quick couplers or with uh, just push push ons through your bladder line. And then if you want to have a dirty bladder, then you could always, as long as you knew it was a dirty bladder from there on out, you know, I don't think. Uh, so if I'm looking at you cross-eyed and bold-legged right now, like <laughs> what in the hell are you talking about? You're filtering water from a, a stream. How, like how much, obviously you're bladdering your pack, but how much water I, are you filtering for, for spike camp or for? I carry about three liters. Okay. I'll have two liters in my bladder and then I'll have a one liter bottle. Um, sort of a skinny tall bottle that fits in my pack real nice that I found um, that I'll save for that one liter bottle will do my dinner and it'll make my breakfast and it'll give me a little water to drink right for for meals in the morning mm-hmm. and so if I'm out of my two liter I still have at night I have my dinner and I have my breakfast and I have some water to drink throughout the night, you know, not a ton, but I have some water there. Um, and then I do have a 16 ounce um, Eugenia bottle, just this really tiny one. So, and, and I'm glad that you brought this up, Brandon and John, because like if I'm going hunting, I have water, I'm filled up on water and then I have water when I'm hunting and then I have water when I get back to my truck. But so are you now, are you training your body like in off season? on water because you're you're not going to want to bloat on water you know when you get back and you're filtering and all that are you training your body in off season if i um no i hydrate pretty heavily okay um but yeah no if i get to a stream you can filter 16 ounces just squeeze the the bottle through and i mean 20 seconds. Oh, I got So, you. I mean, it, okay. it goes pretty quick. Yeah, so you're you kind can, of collecting water throughout the day. Yeah, if I see a nice stream, we'll stop and fill. Even the, even if it's you're fairly full, you can always fill your dirty bags and okay. leave them dirty. Yep. And then when, when you get something empty, you can uh, squeeze filter. your filter that, you know, too. So I do carry two dirty bags. Um, they're 16 ounces a piece. I carry two just because if one pops, you're... And then, so like on your unit that you're going on in your Onyx map and you're checking it, you're also looking for water when you're pre-scouting, you know? So like when you're, you're walking in, you know where that's at. You're not just stumbling across. Yeah. You're, you're looking for it. Um, you do stumble across it though. Also, okay. there's seeps and, and wallow areas where water's coming from. Um, a lot of the times I, it's probably good, right? From the rock. Gotcha. You know, but yep. we still run it through the filter just for. Avoid that beaver fever. Right. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> and then, so are you eating your meals? Like when you did this, this prep trip that you were just talking about in the North Shore, like are you, you kind of going through which meals you like and which are working for you or power bars, I guess. I don't, maybe you don't eat those. Maybe you do. Like, are you, is that your diet? Or yeah, you, I was, uh, we were definitely testing everything um including our meals and what what we were going to eat um i got a advice from a different podcast 
and they told me the best mountain house they ever had was the chicken and mashed potatoes. And then you get to do the side of sweet corn. (laughs) So I got myself the chicken and mashed potatoes and the side of sweet corn. And I think I had the best meal in the woods out of a mountain house that I've ever had. That's the ticket, huh? That is the ticket. I went back and got two more so they weren't sold out for fall. (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) Name dropping. Mountain house. But that's working in mashed potatoes. Yeah. All right. That's That's why you test the stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, because I mean, I could have got through the weekend up there with something that I didn't care for. I could have, you know, ate half of it and said, yeah. "I'll live." You know, we're we're going to our truck tomorrow, and you know, we'll be good. But if you get in the mountain and you want to be out there four days, and something you don't like, well. That's sort of too bad. You need them calories. You <laughs> right. got to eat it, you know, so start choking. All right, guys. So uh, obviously I'm the probably the most unhealthy dude of this, and I eat a lot, and, and it shows. But how how many times are you eating a day? Are, are you doing a calorie count? Are you doing, is there a, like, take us through your daily regimen when you're when you're hunting, all three of you. Like, what? okay, I wake up in well, the morning. Jim, I can already tell you, Jim's is going to be more hardcore for me, my because yeah. if you if you guys say one meal or one power bar and then you go hunt all day, then I'm going to throw my headset down and walk out the door. <laughs> no, for me, I'm usually grabbing a quick breakfast. I don't eat a lot in the morning, but I'll grab a little bit and then I'll have, uh, you know, a few bars in my pack. So before lunch, I'll have a, you know, probably have one bar, maybe two. And then you have some type of lunch. Um, I'm usually making sandwiches because I'm usually going on day hunts um, where I'm leaving in the dark, coming back in the dark. But I'm coming back to the vehicle. Yeah. So I'm not doing what Jim's doing where he's going out for three, four, five days at a crack. So for me, I'm making a lot of sandwiches, um, mm-hmm. maybe some venison sticks, suppers, you know, when I get back to the truck. Yeah. So I'm packing pretty light with my food, um, one or two sandwiches and one or two bars, maybe a couple other little snacks, but that's about it for what, me. Like when you say bars, like Cliff, like is that, yeah, I I'm don't not, even know the name. I'm, I'm not too picky. I've had Cliff bars and... Nutri-Green bars and a lot of times gotcha. whatever the kids have at the house, I just grab that before works, I leave. That works. You're talking my language a little bit. <laughs> Jim, like, okay, so you're you're hardcore, okay? We're four days. You're going to go for four days on this. Like, what's your, what are you doing during the day? Or does it switch day to day? It does. I, I usually prep a uh, day, a whole day's meal in a one-gallon Ziploc, and that Ziploc comes out in the morning, and that's what you got for breakfast, and then your your snacks go in your top pouch or your pack. So anytime you stop, you can open that, have a snack, grab some nuts, or have a protein bar. Um, my drink mixes go in there. Carry the Mountain Up, Signite, drink mix, different flavors. So, Perfect. Yeah. Do you do you weigh out your food day by day before you go? You know, like all right, this bag weighs X amount of weight. I don't much do it for the weight i do watch the calories just to try to make sure you get enough um it's it's terrible there's never enough calories on those hunts no exactly i mean you (laughs) just but you got to have it so Mm -hmm. it's balanced a little bit through if you had to estimate your day bag that one gallon bag you just took out average weight two pounds about two pounds a day yeah yeah something like that yeah and John, you have like have you gone more than three four days in the backcountry? Yeah, 
Have yep. You? This past year we did a elk hunt. We were back there for eight days. Damn. Oh, we we went part way back on a wheeler. Oh, okay. and then left yeah. four days of food on that wheeler. But then from there we still but had just a few pre-staging miles in. and set up. I got you. Yeah. And then are you similar to these guys or different or? Yeah. So like when I was prepping for that hunt, weight was a big deal because we wanted to go to this one area for eight days and or maybe nine. It was a nine day season. Um, and going in with camp, you know, weapon, all your clothes, you know, water filter system, food, you know, that food is where a lot of the weight comes from. It does. It does. It sneaks up on you. Um, and so my goal was, you know, I actually kind of this year dove more in depth into it than I ever had before. And it was fun. I actually really enjoy that part of, of the hunt well before the hunt, the planning stage, you know, weighing this out, weighing that out. Um, and that's why I was wondering where Jim was at for total weight. Cause that's where I was about, you know, a light day. I think my bag was like a 1.8, that gallon Ziploc bag. That was your, your food, food bag, your food bag okay. for the day. Mm-hmm. Well, you go eight days, you know, two pounds a piece. Mm-hmm. You lot. do the math, yeah. you know, six, yeah. was that 16 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, we ditched four days worth at the four wheel and for, you know, halfway through we'll have a resupply morning or something like that. Um, but yeah, on like the longer hunts, the hunts like that, you know, it's a, a dehydrated breakfast or maybe instant oatmeal breakfast. And then you have some nuts, some trail mix, uh, you know, a bar, a candy bar, the drink mixes, uh, are a great way to get a couple extra calories. And then, you know, when something tastes good, you know, you're gonna, and you're then you have that like, water so like your, your big meal is when you get back after dark and, yeah. and you're settling down and whatever, that's when you make your big, like you were saying, you're, that's when you would eat your yep. taters and your <laughs> yep, for whatever sure. was all. It sounded good, uh, whatever uh, it was. Uh, yeah, chicken, potatoes, yeah. Yeah. corn. Corn, sweet yeah. corn. And then like Brandon said, you know, on like a day hunt, you know, there's all sorts of different kind of out-of-state mm-hmm. hunts, right? Yep. Obviously, we're kind of talking more about the backcountry stuff. But like on a day hunt where you're not having camp with you because you're back to the vehicle every night, you know, I'm one of those guys that when I'm on a hunt, I want to enjoy it. I have no problem carrying extra food. There's mm-hmm. got to be... One of the best feelings in the world is sitting behind a spotting scope, watching a mule deer buck and eating like a pop tart or, you know, just some kind of junk food, you know, (laughs) it doesn't all have to be this high end, you know, dehydrated meals. Like if you're going to, you know, you know, that's the only time you eat pop tarts and I look forward to it because it reminds me of glassing up mule deer, you know? Yeah. And for me, I've got a, you said you had a jet, well, I've got one of the MSR wind burners. And so I've taken that with on a few of my day hunts too, and had some mountain houses and some of the dehydrated meals, but I kind of found through, I guess, doing some of that, that it's a lot of extra room in my pack I'm taking up for just a day hunt. You know, if I don't need to bring that, that wind burner with and, you know, a couple pouches of food and then it's easier just to throw a sandwich in there. So, but sometimes I do bring it with and kind of depends on the weather. If it's a little colder out, it's kind of nice to do that too. Have yeah. a warmer meal. Yeah. All right. Backcountry guys. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have one of the most important tools is your weapon, your bow. What are you doing with it? Is it your Metcalf packs, all three of you? Said that that's kind of what you're running now. Uh, yep. There's a spot right there. I'm I'm cheating because I know the pack, but I have never used the pack. So you're you're not throwing it on a sling. You're not you're not carrying your bow in, in your hand until you need it. Right? I actually do myself. Yeah, or do you? I don't know what you guys do, but I my bow is in my hand. Mine is in my hand all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. time it's strapped to the pack is if I can't shoot. So if you're a few miles in and you don't get a chance to chase that buck that night, but you try to watch him to the last second and now you're going back out to the truck, it's black. You know, it's dark. You're not shooting. Yeah. At right. that point, right. I might strap it, you know, to my pack. But even then, it's just, you know, let's roll. 
that's uh, okay. So I open foot, insert mouth, because I would figure you were, you're going off to a distance, but you're ready to hunt at any time. Right. Right. It, yeah. yeah. yeah we've I've run into critters and just right away weird spots yeah. too. It's just like, oh. right. I got blown away because yeah, you think, never even thought that they should be there. You know, it's like, mm, what is for that? me? I think I learned that lesson the first time I ever mule deer hunted in North Dakota. I was out there with a buddy, and I actually was fortunate enough to tag out. And so I was just hunting with him and he had his bow in his pack and we'd actually spotted a really nice buck and we probably had to make like a two mile loop around to get in position for this deer. And on the way to that deer, we were coming through this draw and we busted out a mule deer at probably like 30 yards and it ran another 30 and it sat there at 60. And the guy that I was with was proficient at 60. So he definitely could make that shot. And in the time it took him to get his bow off the pack, load an arrow. He just started coming back to full draw. That deer ran away. If he would have had his bow in his hand, I mean, he had more than enough time to just draw back. I was already on the range finder. He could have shot it. So after I had seen that play out on my first mule deer trip since then, my bow was in my hand at all time. And what I love about this podcast is it gets, keeps branching. Like, right, we're, we're headed up the base of the tree and now we branched off a few things. We got the bow, we got the pack, we got everything in the pack. Some things that go overlooked. Mm. binocular harness range finder harness all of that stuff like you're you're suited out and it has to be accessible uh, we, i haven't heard one of you guys talk about a spotting scope is that in the pack as well yeah for me it is uh i don't bring a spotting scope uh, i run uh, the Sarosky 1556 on tripod though so that'll be in the pack. Yeah, that's a must. Do you carry, Jim, do you carry a smaller pair with you as well, or you just I, run that bigger pair? I do carry 1042s around my neck. Okay. Yeah, the 1556s are just in the pack for, for glassing knolls. And and is it, is, John, is, is it a harness system that you guys are running? I, like a bivy or? A, I run a, like a chest harness, a, yep. you know, fit the binos in it. You can strap your rangefinder to it. A little pocket on the side for your windicator, or if you got exactly. an elk call or a, or a reed or something. Um, and there are so many options out on that stuff that there are probably more bino harness is out there available. Well, the, the reason I brought this up is because Sitka just released their new, don't even know what it's called, but I just watched a YouTube video and it looks like honestly you guys are going in to defend a city. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the dude had bear spray over here on the left and his rangefinder, and he can, like you said, elk reeds. Which, I was actually watching that video early today too. Yeah. And it, is know. that like that's is that the go to for most of you guys in the backcountry, or is it not that you don't have to go on that in depth, Jim? Uh, or is it a personal I, preference? I think it's probably personal preference. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. I do carry bear spray. Um, last year we were in Montana in grizzly country. Um, I did carry a handgun. Mm-hmm. Dual, uh, dual yield handgun <laughs> and bear spray. Yeah, I was yes. sitting here looking at same, you. You got two guns on you. Same, same hand or same side of my pack, but yeah. Yeah. Did you do you run your bear spray when you were in Grizz Country? Do you run that like on a hip pouch or is that attached to your bino harness? Uh, on the hitch hip strap. Hip strap. Yeah. What about for uh, the gun? On the hip strap also. On the same side. On the same side and would. I guess myself personally would go for the spray long first. before the gun. Mm-hmm. I think the guns maybe so for you at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey Jim, back to the, the spray don't work. I mean, come on. Yeah. Back to the, uh, no spotting scope. Is that cause of the weight for you? Like you're just trying to cut the weight down with the spotting scope. 
Or have you found that you just don't prefer that? Yeah. I mean, I think the binos that I'm running are for where I'm looking and what I want to find. Um, I'm not so concerned of, is it 380 or is it 400 or is it 340? It's a six by six. Let's go. Right. You know, or, or, or maybe it's a five by six, but okay, let's go. Right. You're not (laughs) counting inches. Right. Right. I'm not counting inches and I'm, I'm really, I mean, it's a legal, legal critter. And I got it on my glass and it's over there or over here. Let's go. Right. Yeah. And for me, I, I wouldn't consider myself, uh, I'm not an inch counter either, but I'm looking for, you know, a decent deer, but I do like having the spotting scope. Now I'm not, not, I'm not talking elk hunting, but you know, for mule deer hunting, I run the 10 by fifties, you know, on my chest, but then I get the spotting scope in the backpack because there are a lot of spots where I can see, and this again, maybe is more mule deer country versus where you're hunting, but I can see miles and miles, you know? And for your spotting scope, like that's another tool that you have to get used to. Right. Um, We don't sell a lot of them through the shop, but we, you know, we're all used to them. The only time I use a spotting scope is on a truck window looking over a bean field early season, you know, velvet. But if you don't know how to use a spotting scope, there's two hours of your scouting that's gone. Where I'm very intrigued by your, you said 1556 on a a, a tripod. Yep, I put them on a tripod. And you're, everyone's used to using binos. So that's another tool, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you, you'd you want to use in the off-season right. to know. Yeah, get used to oh, it. Get definitely used to it. spend some time on your glass in the off-season. Um, strengthen your eyes because your eyes will – I mean, if you think you're going to spend six hours behind glass on the first day you get there because that's what your plan was to scout, scout this area and see what you see, you're going to go batty. Mm-hmm. If you don't practice for a while before, you know, put it, put a half an hour in here and there and, and work up to it a little bit. Right. You're just right. And coming from an optic background, if there's, there's a few tools that you don't want to skimp and optics are probably one of them, um, in my mind. And you guys add to this, you don't, don't buy a $339 pair of 15 by fifties because the box looks cool and you can buy some better arrows, you know, uh, optics are something that you don't because scouting is a major, major contributor to success. If not one of the, you know, key ingredients, you guys agree. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you said you're running Soros. What are you yep. guys running for optics? Uh, optics wise, I have 10 by 42 binos and I am highly considering pulling the trigger on a 12 by 50 pair for this year for like when I'm out mule deer hunting, those 10 by 42s are a great all around bino. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whitetail hunting here in Minnesota, they work fine for mule deer hunting out West and like the elk hunting that I've done, um, where, where I've been elk hunting, it would be pretty pointless to bring a spotting scope. You, you can't see that really? far. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, even if you're on one hillside looking or mountainside looking on the other, it would be pointless weight. And what brand? I also have a, a vortex spotter at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And a, I've got a vortex spotter. Yep. And your binos? My binos are actually a pair of Meoptas. Okay. Um, which is an yeah. older pair. I've probably had them for 10 years, but kind of looking at upgrading. Like, John, I might uh, might pull the trigger this year on some of the 12 by 50 Vortex mm. myself. Got to have them. And now we're to the point in the podcast where I get scared because <laughs> the word is called exercise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you three, um, 
physical fitness is going to aid tremendously. Take us through, and Jim, you go first if you don't mind. Take us through. Oh, he's going to make us all look bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's three hundred and sixty days for you of it, it is training and and physical fitness. Yeah, I I run it pretty much five days a week, sometimes six days a week. So take us through not only running, but are you lifting or and your, of course your nutrition? Like what's what's your regimen? What are you doing every day yeah, for preparation? I, I uh, for the last two years now, I've been running the Mountain Tough program. Okay, um, it's an online e-training program. I would recommend it to anybody that that wants to go out and go out west and have a good time and and get in the backcountry and and get back out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's it's five days a week. Um, they try to base somewhere in that hour, hour and a half workouts. And the whole thing is uh, based on mountain preparation, hunting. Uh, so, so is it does, does that focus a lot on like cardio or full body? Uh, we do two days of weight training, two days of uh, hit workouts. So we'd be just going from uh, cardio machine to weights to cardio to weights back and forth um, high intensity high intensity timed or we'll do as many rounds uh, of an activity as you can in in 45 minutes and those are geared those ones i would assume are geared to keep your heart rate at a certain spot yeah you you're trying uh well at this point i mean i'm trying to stay up into the 90 percentile in my heart rate uh, through the whole workout through through Most at least 90 percent of it you yeah. know i mean the warm-up brings you into it and then uh of course your cool down that kind of thing will right. bring you back out but uh you really yeah i really try to definitely not leave the the yellow zone on the, I, I run the my zone chest strap so then i constant uh it's constantly on my phone the my heart rate so if you're dogging it you kind of know it and then you get a yeah, I, I, can't, I can't dog it. It's right on my screen in my face. Yeah, oh. and knowing knowing Jim here, it's more so probably I'm I'm on the verge of redlining. I've got to come back down a little bit. <laughs> I I, uh, I do like making new floors for sure. <laughs> Take us through some of the stuff, like because you've done a few events too, haven't you? Yeah, I did some. Uh, I did the train to hunt event last year. Um, so we did a. You'd have your bow stationed at a station, and then there was, I think, 10 guys per heat, uh, 10 heats. There was 100 of us there that day. And uh, so you'd set your bow. You'd run over to a step block and do some kind of step-over activity on a 20-inch step block with a sandbag, uh, either step on, on your shoulders, 20 over the, over the boxes, and then we'd run about a quarter-mile loop. And you'd run right back to your bow and arrow, and then you'd shoot a target at 30 yards. And then you'd go back, and there'd be four four activities like that. And you'd keep doing each one and back to your bow and shoot. And then uh, you had your pack laying there. I think it was a 40-pound pack last year. And then you grabbed that. After you got through with that, you grabbed your pack and your last two arrows and headed on, they called the mountain course, through the ski hills. And it, and that one that last year ended up being a two and a half mile course up and down through the ski hills. So what's like, what's the time on that? Like, what do you, how, how long did you do it in? I don't even remember what my total time was. 
um, because they take your into consideration your shots that you made on your 30 yards. So you had four shots there that had uh, uh, time penalties, yeah. if you will, yeah. if, if for not for not heart ring shots. Um, I was ma- am, I remember I was able am and then managed to get two heart rings and uh, a lung and then a, a body. So the body one hurts pretty bad. I think you you get nicked about two and a half minutes. So mm. wow! But did uh, you win? So it? it's it's worth it to slow down and regain your heart rate, get your concentration when you're taking that shot in that competition. You do got to try to make. I mean, good shots. That's definitely geared to. They want you making good shots in the wild. So, yep. I mean, they're going to penalize you for making a wounding shot. Mm-hmm. They're calling it, a, you're going to be tracking all day. So, mm-hmm. here's your penalty for that, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then I just signed up uh, just yesterday for the, it's called Beast Mode Archery Challenge uh, in Wisconsin. Basically the same kind of event. Uh, maybe a little longer pack. And then we're going to do a sled drag and a, a heavy pack out. So uh, after the, after so there, the there's kill. simulation challenges, but, and you know, it's uh, you're also using it. It's a fun way to train. It's definitely a fun way to train. Mm-hmm. It gives you a, a reason to really push harder. Um, a lot of these guys that do this are, they're pretty crazy. They're athletes. Yeah. yeah they're real athletes. Yeah. Would I, would I finish in the top 50? Um, it's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> are there 50 people that are crazy enough to go do these? That's the real question. Well, he said he said 100, and I was yeah, like was thinking a- in my mind, there's 100 of these little mountain rats running around. with. This. <laughs> I could be the announcer, I guess. There you go. You know, it's that, so, we'll stick to that. Jim, on oh, was it your first train to hunt? that uh, You've come into the shop, and you've been telling us about these, and, and you tell us about how hard you work out, but... I just want to touch on, on one thing here. So was it the first train to hunt that you did where you slowed down and you chatted with the guy for just a few seconds? I did. I was probably chatted with him for like 30 seconds. And can you tell us what transpired from that? Uh, well, it took me from third place to fourth place and no medal or nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> all to chat with my... Uh, Actually, ended up being uh, a schoolmate of my son's. Hmm. As I passed him from the heat in front of me, 15 minutes earlier, he left. (laughs) (laughs) So you're trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, Yeah. he he wasn't feeling the best at that point. Now, I want to touch on this. So Jim does these uh, Mountain Tough programs, and this was last year, right, that this all went down Mm -hmm. in, like, June or May? Yeah, I think it was in June, yeah. In June. So... Jim comes back and he's talking about how he missed third place by seven seconds. Yeah, I think it was 15 or 17 seconds or something. But yeah, it was just. So it was close. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was talking to Jim and, you know, hey, how's the workout stuff going? I know he's going hard on this uh, uh, mountain tough program. Oh, it's really good. I went so hard last night that I was I was just dry heaving. I mean, he's pushing himself multiple times, too. 
And then he come, you know, it's got, I got to make up that 15 seconds. I got to make it up. <laughs> and that's what was going through his head for quite a while. And I always got a crack out of it because yeah. I have not pushed myself that hard in years, right. nor do I plan to. And obviously you, you know, anyone that's as crazy as you are with doing some of these things, obviously you like to work out and you like to train, but most of that got started from hunting, right? Like you want to be in better shape for your hunts. Right. And now, Yeah. It did start out that way, and now it's been to the point where it's, I don't know, almost some kind of weird addiction for me now. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to get my workout in for the day or at least four a week. If I miss one day in there, I can I can manage, but yeah. And obviously, you know, you, you've noticed a pretty big difference from like your hunting, just everyday life in general, but, but when you're on these hunts and you get to day five, day six, day seven... Yeah, I'm still good. Right. From like your training now versus when you weren't training as hard. I mean, is it a pretty big difference that you've noticed, you know, as far as packing out, hiking around that day, just feeling good the next day when you wake up? Definitely a difference just in uh, how you feel every day out there. Yeah. Um, And the guys that you're with, you notice like you say, on the third day, the fourth day, you can see them fading. If you're hunting together, all of a sudden you're stopping more and the, and they're back there, you know, it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. You're just, they're just burning down, mm-hmm. you know, it just, your legs get sore, they get tired. They just don't go. Brandon, you work out a ton. Is it the same no, kind of no, regimen? No, I mean, well, we're not like, comparing ourselves <laughs> to Goliath. Over yeah, here, no, <laughs> nothing's like what Jim does, but yeah, I try to, I try to work out, um, you know, five, six days a week. My workouts are not an hour and a half long like Jim's are. I've got two young kids at home, so mine can't be that long, but I usually go for half hour to an hour and they kind of vary kind of like what Jim does. Um, I do a few days of weight training. A lot of my stuff is like, obviously I'm not a, a giant person, so none of my stuff is to get huge. Yeah. Um, it's just to stay, stay light, stay nimble. So I do a lot of, a lot of reps, lower weight, a lot of reps, uh, try to keep the heart rate up. I run a few miles a week. I can't go run a marathon or anything, but I try to run here and there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my stuff's, um, you know, core, high rep if I am lifting any type of weights, but a lot of core, a lot of legs, you know, try and all the stuff that I do is purely just for hunting. And that's what I that was going to lead, John, and I'll get back to you on that, but <clears throat> this is to better your hunt. Correct. So it doesn't, common sense, it's not not just for out west, do-it-yourselfers, if all you're going to have is a Wisconsin tag or a Minnesota tag, if you're in shape and you're healthy, everything is going to perspire off of that. It's going to build. I mean, even from dragging your deer out or quartering in the field, you know, taking that out. If you're in shape, you're, you're doing a hell of a lot better than the guys that aren't. Now, don't get me wrong. In the Midwest, some people can drive a side-by-side right up to the deer and take care of it. But you feel better. You get up in the tree better. Mm-hmm. or You're spotting you stocks a lot better. It's not just pertaining to out west or West River. Mm-hmm. But that's basically what you guys do. You do both. All, all three of you do both. John, what is your workout? I mean, you've been kind of busy here the last two months with life. Uh-huh. Um, my workout regimen's pretty pathetic compared to these guys. Uh, there's basically no workout regimen in my life. Um, I'm, I'm the youngest guy at the table here. And the past few years, like once we start hitting, you know, July, um, that's a time of year where I, I also have a bird dog and mornings, you know, I run her four or five mornings a week. 
um, getting her ready for hunting season. And mm-hmm. as she gets older that, you know, it, we're not going quite as far, but that, that continual repetition is pretty important for her. Now she runs, I don't, I walk, but as it depends on what I'm doing for hunts that year. Last year I did a, a, you know, relatively intense elk hunt. And so I started, you know, you know, very little weight in that pack, you know, maybe 20 pounds and I'm going three, four miles that morning. Um, and then progressing up. And I think at, at, by the time we hit September, I had 80 pounds in my pack and, you know, even doing that multiple mornings a week for some amount of a distance and trying to keep, you know, a certain pace of, uh, you know, a, a certain time zone. I'm not lollygagging out there. And you're yeah. putting, you're putting your hunting boots on, you're breaking yes, your boots. Yes. In, at this point I've got, I've got my boots on, um, you know, cause those are the boots I also wear for basically every hunt that I go on. Um, okay. so that part, uh, you know, depending on the hunt I'm going on, I'll, I'll ramp that up or ramp it down and on my days off I'll try to go a little farther um you know I think like last year at one point I was like at 60 pounds in my pack and I told myself I was doing 10 miles that morning and this is still a month out from that hunting trip or that mm-hmm. elk hunt that I went on um on some of the years where I'm not doing a hunt like that I, I go a little softer mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm well, still young you're enough being honest and that's the, yeah. that's the cool thing about it is being, I mean you can dive into this as far as you want being bullheaded enough and younger, it's, it's, I'm okay with kind of embracing the suck. And yeah. in a few years, I know Jim's kind of smiling right now that that ain't going to cut the mustard. <laughs> and I can definitely tell that already, you know, um, starting to get a little bit older, but I think that's something that's going to become a little more regular in my life here soon. Yeah. So, know, uh, you know, for me, uh, back before I was really doing anything, yeah. kind of like what John's saying a little bit, um, where I was just using youth on my side. Yeah. You'd, you'd have a good trip. You'd be successful. But that pack out would be like, and I'm not a big guy. I'm 150 pounds. So if I pack out a deer, yep. that, you know, that's a lot of weight if I got to go a few miles, right? Get back to the truck and it maybe take me twice as long as it should have. And you empty that pack out and it, it almost like took away from the trip because it sucked so bad, right? Mm-hmm. And now with the training that I've done and, you know, it gets easier over the years as you kind of learn your system on the gear you're using too, but the pack outs are part of the fun for me now. Like I really enjoy that. That's part of what feels good and makes the trip, you know, is, is those hikes in or out. Um, or if you are successful or a hunting partner successful, helping them pack that meat out is, is part of the fun. And that's what makes the trip now. Mm -hmm. So I think that training for me, um, it just definitely makes the trip more enjoyable. That elation of taking the pack off at the truck when there's meat in it. I don't think there's any way to replicate that feeling anywhere. That is. Well, you get pretty close when you're eating it. (laughs) You can relive that. So, okay. You guys are physically fit. Got your packs. You got it. All of your stuff. You got to make the shot when it boils down to that situation. Take us through your practice regimen. Um, we're going to go how you practice first. And then I want to know what you guys are shooting for your out West trips. I don't care about what we're doing here for deer, or maybe it's the same, but Jim, you start like what, when do you start incorporating in your practice? Are you practicing? Like you said, you, and we know that you shoot leagues here in the off season, Mm -hmm. but take us through your practice regimen for, for archery hunting. Um, I try to stay shooting at least once a week. At some point I try to get out, uh, I like going out to Clearwater to shoot. Okay. It's got a nice little range out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit of elevation change. You can shoot from a few different spots and 
have some different yardages all from uh, one shooting location. I think you can get about six yardages and nice some different uh, elevations there. So I try to sneak out there once a week, sometimes only every 10 days or so, and then shoot, you know, 50 to 70 arrows and mm-hmm. call it an evening and so you're shooting yeah. 100, 100 arrows a week, we could say. Say if you're 100, 150 a week. Is yeah, I not honestly, probably just once a week I'm shooting that, probably that 70, 60 okay. to 70 arrows a week. Um, and then do you amp up, you know, a couple of weeks prior to it, or is that, is that get you to where you're confident I for going into the hunt? do start shooting. Um, I have 30 yards in the backyard that I can shoot, so I do start shooting... Uh, Maybe six weeks before, I shoot a lot of that that thirty yard mm-hmm. um, in the back there. Um, but you just, shoot our you shoot our leagues here too in the winter. So you're, yeah. so you're shooting all I year. I shoot all year pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so when you do shoot regularly throughout the year, you can you can kind of just maintain through the summer and ramp back up right before. Right, you don't and even feel confident. I don't even feel a a lag or a go away, if you will, or or a get back into it that some guys talk about. I got to get back into shooting. Well, my form, I, I feel that my form's there. My, my back muscle's fine. I, yeah. If you I don't ever stop, bow. you don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't I draw my that. bow every week. And so, um, I think that is really important to, to shoot that much at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how you're, how you're shooting, maybe a guy needs to shoot more. If he's not, if he's not feeling as confident as he thinks he should in his own head, mm-hmm. well, then get to the range more. Jim, are you doing anything like, you know, do a little workout or try to get your heart rate up and then shoot? Are you doing anything like that for to add a little pressure um, or try to simulate that shot a little more? Like if you were shooting I, at a note, I do from time to time. Um, if I will go with a couple of buddies, we'll uh, try to make it interesting or put a little wagers on it to, right. to even that'll help get the get the mind going the heart rate going and the mind going and you're thinking all of a sudden you got a 20 dollar bill on this arrow you know with your buddy right. here so right yeah what from, about uh when you're when you're you know getting into the right before season shooting are you always shooting from a standing position are you taking shots off you know your butt seated on the ground from your knees do you incorporate any of that kind of stuff Definitely go through uh, all the scenarios of of ways to shoot. Um, these programs that I've run that train to hunt, and I think I'm pretty sure this beast mode archery uh, that I'll be doing here in July, they all had shots where you even had to take four steps, basically on your hands and knees, or just on your knees, um forward before you could even see your target Mm. um so they they made you do some stuff like that throughout that course too which really brought to light that you got to practice that Mm -hmm. more okay um so and even just working with your your feet out of position on purpose or or putting a, a rock in your shooting area you know something that's 10 inches high or 12 inches high and standing one foot on that, mm. just just to have that experience of of shooting that way, mm-hmm. um, and then I suppose 
I suppose from about here on out, as far as shooting 3D courses, I will shoot them full loaded with my pack on with full gear in and shoot the whole 3D course. You're a better man than me. <laughs> Very interesting. Brandon, what's your practice routine? So I usually am shooting at home by myself. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I had a couple of kids, and we get we get really busy here in the shop in July, August, September. So I don't have a lot of time to go shoot with buddies, so most of it's by myself. But for me to add a little bit of pressure on myself, um, especially as it gets closer to the hunting season, I'll take a, you know, like an NFA single spot or five spot, depending mm-hmm. on how far I'm shooting. And I'll actually jot down on a notebook what I scored at each distance. So let's say I shoot uh, three or four arrows is usually what I keep my groups to. I usually don't shoot any more than that before I go get my arrows. So if I'm shooting three arrows or four arrows at 20, 30, 40, all the way up to 100, I'll mark down what I scored, and that might be all I shoot that day. And then the next time I go shoot, I try to better that score. And the next time I shoot, I try to better that score, right? So I'm always trying to, I at least have it in my mind. I'm trying to outdo myself, right? So you have a little bit of added pressure. I'm not just going out in the yard and just flinging arrows. So it does make you think a little bit, and it adds that at least a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what, I think that's what you need. You need to try to find something, anything that will add a little bit of pressure while you're shooting, you know, to try to replicate that, that hunting shot when you're going to have a lot of pressure. Yeah. John? Uh, practice. Practice. Yeah. Um, Welcome back. Basically, uh, basically shoot my bow year round, you know, um, uh, yeah. Uh, foam targets, 3d targets, uh, like Brandon said, I'd, I end up doing a lot of my shooting by myself, you know, uh, early in the morning before work, uh, you get home and it's still just light enough. I I love shooting like post sunset, but before dark. Um, and it's not a ton of arrows in one repetition, typically that time of day. Mm -hmm. Um, when we do get a day off again, middle of the week, there's not a lot of other guys, you know, everyone else is at work. So no, nothing to go do with your buddies. So it's a great time to shoot. Um, I'm kind of the opposite though. I like, I like to shoot a lot of arrows at the target before I go get them. Mm-hmm. They, they won't all be from the same distance, but I might shoot three arrows from 50, three arrows from 65, three arrows from 70, three arrows from 90, and kind of, okay, they're all on the target. Now I'll go get them. Um, and putting that pressure on yourself of like, okay, back when I'm at 70, 80, 90, 100, further, that kind of stuff, I am trying to keep my grouping all there. So the arrows that I shot at 40 and 50 that are good, they're right in the money zone. I'm trying to keep that group the same size as far back as I'm going out and putting that pressure on yourself to try to be there with every shot or every distance is again, just replicating, making them good, make every shot count. That's perfect. And, um, I'm encouraging our listeners. We have a separate podcast. You can go through our library and look it up about off season preparation as far as shooting. And we dive way further in than we're going to do today because there's still a lot of topics we're going to talk about here quick. But uh, listen to that, and it's from guys other than this panel. One thing that I'd say, especially if you're going out west, uh, I like to imitate what I'm shooting, rather be a muley or an antelope or or an elk, and then I'll quarter that 3D target towards me or away from me. Mm -hmm. Practice situations. But uh, go check out our other podcast and listen in on that. Um, Brandon, I, I know that you have a pretty important question here before we end things and, and we're not ending it right now, but what's the, what are you shooting, Jim, as far as a bow and equipment? Uh, I run them shooting the Matthews Vertex. 
I've been shooting it for two years now. I got it when it was came, just came out. Um, it really shoots nice for me. It's just one of them bows that I put in my hand, and it was just shooting. And mm-hmm. I just, I honestly didn't even shoot the new one this year, but about three shots I put out of it, and I just wanted my old one. And just, right. I, I, I usually upgrade or trade them in every year. Yep. And just go to the new bow and. I just, I don't know. I just never did this year, and uh, it fits. I'm, I'm, yeah, it fits, and I'm gonna run it. And what are you shooting for arrows? Uh the rip TKO. Rip TKO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta, I gotta ask my my guys on. These that. are your dudes here. <laughs> yeah. Set them up. Uh, yeah, he's got me set up with uh, shooting. They're nice and straight. So and and. and you just know that they shoot. Yeah, they shoot really good. It. These guys fix, get they, fix, these, is he these guys fixed get them, blades. Yeah, yeah, fixed. A lot of your Western hunters actually shoot solids. Yeah, solids. Yeah. Uh, how about release aid? Is it handheld? Is it uh, trigger? Is handheld. It, yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. So. And I think if we haven't heard already, Brandon, we kind of know what you're running. But is there? Do you switch when you go out west? Is anything different? No, usually not. I usually run the same. If I'm white tail hunting with that bow, yeah. I usually get two bows every year, and whatever one I like the best, that's kind of my main bow for whitetail milled or whatever i'm doing and the other one's kind of the backup but so vxr is what i'll be using this year probably yeah. for my main bow that's what i use turkey hunting i also have the the bowtech revolt mm-hmm. um, which i really like as well but so far <laughs> I, I don't know the matthews just i think i'm more used to that grip yeah you know than the bowtech grip myself so just feels a little better in my hand but not, and they you both have success awesome. with it right. already in 2020 right. you get your confidence levels right. through the roof yeah it's lucky so far yeah john I actually have the same bows as Brandon. I'm running the VXR 31 and a half and uh, the Bowtech Revolt X. So the taller axle, the actual options on both of those. And uh, I have very similar setups on both of my bows. They're both kind of dialed in over the years for the site that works well for me for when I'm out west, but it's very successful for whitetail hunting also. Not a lot of pins, slider style site that... Mm-hmm. Like I can reach out and touch there a little bit, but uh, works very, very well for whitetail hunting also. Um, the only thing I really have different between my two bows, on one of my bows I have a like a two-piece fixed quiver that doesn't come off, and on my other bow it's a like a removable quiver. Um, but I usually don't ever take that off either. I just, I like my quiver on the bow. I like a heavier, heavier bow. Gotcha, gotcha. What are you running, Wade? Uh, well, this year. one, I'm not, I'm not going out West this year. I didn't get drawn in Montana. Uh, so I guess my Western hunts are still going to be Eastern South Dakota, North Dakota. I have a bow set up strictly for long range right now. It's the revolt X. It's a little bit lighter arrow setup, And then I'm shooting just a double up pin. So it's like a single pin design. And then that's dialed out to a hundred. I, I won't shoot in an animal at a hundred, but I dang sure will at 85. Um, it's what about just, a follow-up shot? Three hundred, yeah. <laughs> if you can see them, <laughs> I, I, if so, for the folks that are listening, I like I take that's my pride. That's my workout. I'm I'm not. I take I take shooting absolutely more serious than anything else, and it's probably hindered me in the past because you do have to get in on the animal. You do your scouting, and if if I can't make it two ridges over to get to the elk, doesn't matter how far or close it is. Doesn't matter if I can pinwheel one. You know. So <clears throat> I lack on the whole physical side of things, but my shooting I, I take very seriously. And, and then my VXR 31 and a half, I can shoot it far, but it's just not, my arrow setup is not 
for long distance. You know, my pin gaps are pretty big. A little, it's probably the heaviest arrow I've ever shot, but that'll be for tree stand hunting. And if I get into a blind or a spot in stock, that's going to be more of a Midwest setup. But uh, there's it's definitely a difference between the two. But I'd say they're a Voltex for long distance right now. Is just and then <clears throat> uh, a swear word in my regimen is fixed blade. But I'm actually going to shoot a fixed <laughs> blade this year on that bow, um, just because of the tunability. Amen. Which right ones here. are you shooting, or don't you know yet? Uh, I so I got a package of the G5s uh, strikers from Dan, <clears throat> and I've seen what he can do with them. So they really really intrigued me. Um, is it the Hades? The Grim Again, Reaper. Hades. Yes. Yep. I've heard a lot of things about that. So, and I'm, I'm, that's like, it's four or five weeks from now I got on my schedule. It's going to be a, it's going to be a three week process for fixed blades. Cause I'm, 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 I'm not new to it, but I'm new to it with this bow. Now, if you, you want to talk about preparation, I feel like that's a super overlooked thing. How many guys just open up a broadhead, screw oh, it on yeah. and go. And you're saying you're spending three <clears throat> weeks shooting broadheads before, yeah, so before you decide what one you're even going to use. And it's not fair to say, but I'm, I'm spending, like I'll lay down 300 bucks on broadheads. Um, Cause I'm not shooting, I'm not shooting something that looks like it or something that comes in the pack. I'm shooting the broadhead. Yep. And uh, it, yeah, it's going to hit, it's going to hit at a, you know, a golf tee at 70 yards before your, I ever put it in. Right. You're taking those broadheads just like if you were buying a rifle and you're yep. buying five different shells to see which one shoots yep. the best out of that. Yep. So not only uh, tunability, because we can really manage that, but um, situations like I'm going to one day when, you know, I'll look at Weather Channel and it says it's going to be 25 mile hour gusts, I'm going to go shoot it. Um, and I'm going to shoot, I'm going to see, I'm going to measure my grouping and I'm going to see what it is from 50, 60, 70, and 80. And then one day when it's, you know, pissing rain, I'm going to go shoot them. I'm going to see how they perform in that situation. Because I know what it does here in the shop with no variables. You know, right. that's, that's easy. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my regimen. And I do the same thing with mechanicals. Um, there's really only two styles. There's an over-the-top or there's a slip cam design. Um, they're super easy to figure out. But uh, there's some states you can't use mechanicals, mm -hmm. you know. And then I like to cut on contact with a little bit lighter arrow setup, kind of opposite of what everyone's kind of doing right now, but that's on a whole nother podcast that yeah. we haven't <laughs> talked about. Jim, uh, what do you got coming for hunts in 2020? Uh, we're doing a over the counter in Colorado. Okay. Um, is this, is this just, a spot you've been to before? Or this is brand new. No, it's going to be brand new to me. Uh, my hunting partner was there last year, hunted it, scouted some areas. So, Hopefully it looks the same as he was there last year and no one else has moved in. <laughs> I hope it'll be good. I it's hope so it is an awesome hunt for you because the guy that you're going with sent me a text from his inReach last year and I you I can move it, in on that if I ever down. get days off in <laughs> September. <laughs> so what's your, uh, I guess going into that, how what's your guys' plan? Are you going in for, your plan on going in for four or five days and then coming back out to resupply if needed? Yep, that's what we're, yeah. our plan will be. It's to have... Uh, everything else back at the truck for other than what you need for four days i'll probably have you know an extra sleep pad uh, sleeping bag this kind of thing at the truck and we might even have a, a tent camp at the truck for one night if we got to hike out and come out in the dark and then go back in in the morning or something we'll have to leave like a heavier tent at the truck that yeah that's just something like a six person or yep. you know five six person tent where you can stand up in it and still walk around and yep. 
case you're hauling meat back or right, you, you get crashed there at the night or two whatever. Days of just horrible weather or something. Yep. That's a really smart plan. I think a lot of guys overlook that kind of stuff. Where are you going, Brandon? Well, so far I've struck out on a lot of tags. Um, I did not draw my North Dakota mule deer tag for archery. I uh, put in for Nevada elk and mule deer and did not draw that. I put in for Wyoming antelope for some rifle tags, and I did not draw that. So currently I'm going to Kansas. That's the only okay. thing I've drawn. Um, so we'll see. I've got another application that uh, should hear back for in a few weeks here. Um, but so far I've struck out on the drawing, but I did draw Kansas. So I'm going there for sure for whitetails. Well, that's good. We just, if you get sit next to me on a plane, I'm going to get up and get off because bad luck's on your side this year. Yeah. <laughs> John, you going out last? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of doing two, like what I would call Eastern Western hunts. So like Western North Dakota, Western South Dakota. Okay. Um, so not like super far away, not super intimidating, <clears throat> great place to get your feet wet on, you know, some of the other gear that we've been talking about. Um, something more like sleep systems are not important because you're back to the truck every night. Um, so I've got a, I have a North Dakota any deer tag and a South Dakota uh, deer tag, which is good for whitetail or mule deer. Um, and then I'm doing a cushy elk hunt this year. Um, drop camp, first season Colorado rifle, uh, was there a couple of years ago and it doesn't matter what shape or shape you are, shape you're in, it's it's not too tough now i thought you were gonna say high fence but that's no no <laughs> no i uh not nothing like that it's just it's the, where the camp is and where the train lays around it it's not super intimidating um again maybe a great place for someone to get their feet wet of western hunting but doesn't want to go through the gear and carrying everything and you, know, I you get trucked in on a horse and camp's all set up and life's pretty good I know we're running a little long, but I don't care because I'm having fun and this is cool. <laughs> like, okay, this just came up. Equipment. Obviously, sometimes your cell phone is not going to work. Or what are you doing for charging that? Or do you have a satellite phone? Or what are you doing for your communication? Or is you, are you just going in and not worrying about it? Oh, no, I have a <clears throat> charger, mobile power or whatever for your phone. And then uh, I have the Garmin inReach. Okay. So would you recommend that for guys going out West? I would. I've never had anything really for service enough to say it's service. Mm -hmm. Um, For the wife to get a text once a day. She likes that just to know you're. Oh, absolutely. You're you're still at least sending letters out to her. So Mm -hmm. even if they're meaningless ones, at least they'd get there. So that inReach, that's a that's a satellite messenger that Bluetooths to your phone. Yep, and then you just text off your phone through that as long as your inReach is on. Yep, and then it sends it out through that, and then back down to uh, probably one other of the coolest sorry. features that those inReaches have is the ability to check weather for where you are. Oh yeah, and I think there's a I think a five day forecast they put out. Uh, I know there's a three for sure. Yeah, and and the. The wind forecast on it seemed to be pretty accurate for when I was using it. Uh, some of the rain stuff in the mountains, you know, I mean, it'll just, just a rainstorm up. will just come by and get you wet, you know, but it doesn't really say too much about them. But if it was an all-day event coming, then it uh, it had that in the forecast too. So, 
you guys doing the, kind of the same thing? Do you have that that system, or are you just I, running I don't myself, batteries yeah. for your cell phone, just, battery pack? And again, I'm usually just doing those day hunts, um, <laughs> so I'm not doing what Jim's doing for multiple days, but charge my phone up in the morning and hope I don't use it too much. That works. John, like your your last year, your big hunt, mm-hmm. did, what, did you do the same thing? Yeah. Obviously, you're very up on what it is. Very, very similar. So the Garmin InReach Mini is the, the mini, one. That's yeah. the one I run too. Yeah. yeah. A little lighter, um, not yep. as many buttons on it. as exactly. uh, It does have a like an SOS button on it. So like if, if stuff goes real south and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things aren't going your way, uh, if you get you know, major injury, hurt, something like that. I believe when you purchase that unit and don't, don't take this for like a hundred percent truth. I would have to double yep. check everything. But when you purchase that unit, part of purchasing it, part of, of what you pay goes towards in it, like an insurance policy that if you hit that SOS button, you're not worried like, oh my gosh, this helicopter ride is going to cost me thousands of tens of thousands or hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars. Um, so it's, it's a safety device one, um, but also gives you the ability to communicate via, via satellite, via text off of your phone. Um, but yeah, that thing was awesome, uh, to be able to check weather for where we were, we moved, we actually hunted three different units in a nine day season. So being able to just go on the fly, run your phone on airplane mode all day. So your on X map is working and then some kind of a little battery backup to charge your phone on. Um, for sure. You know, and, and usually I could get like almost two full days out of my phone before I had to charge it. Um, yeah. And that's, I was going to, I guess I should have said that too, but like when I'm using my phone on those day hunts, I don't even have a chargeable, you know, an extra source of battery power, but my phone's always in airplane mode. Mm-hmm. Um, just well, to run yeah, I mean, you're not on Instagram or you're right. not on Facebook. I'm not on that or, anyways, uh, but well, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> Tender for be. Brandon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not, you're out there for a reason. I hope, um, Let's let's finish this up. Let's go around the horn. And what would be your number one tip for a first-time elk hunter slash out west hunter? Um, Brandon, you start us off. Like, what is your number one tip for someone that's just ready to step up their game? So you're saying someone's already, they're committed, they're gone. Yep. yep. I would say the number one tip, I'll probably take the easy one here, but would be kind of like what we talked about before is use your equipment. You know, use the equipment you have or the equipment you purchase beforehand. Do a simulation, you know, like like what Jim did. If it's a weekend or even if it's just a, a one day, maybe you're just doing a day hunt thing like I am. Well, then mm-hmm. put your pack on and get your boots on and start using it before you get out there. So I think a lot of it just testing your equipment and actually using it before you get out there um, so you know if you need to make any tweaks because it's a lot easier to do that at home than when you're out there and that now you can't make any tweaks and you just got to deal with it. Jim, what would be your uh, your tip for the, the the guy that's committed, but it might be their first or second time? What what would be your your number one tip? Don't start getting ready in August. Okay, get ready now. Now is the time when I mean, physical right now is when you need to start. You can't start in August and think you're going to be ready in September. Gotcha. There's just not enough days in there for recovery time for a guy that ain't been working out um why are you looking at me when you said that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i don't know it when this is gonna happens. air but this is june right now yes yeah, we, we're, yeah, we're this recording this podcast we're recording june, this in so, june yep so so jim's talking months and months beforehand definitely it just it just makes your trips so much better perfect john you're number one you know for the guys that are are committed that they're actually going um 
follow through, just go, you know, in the first year, don't put too many expectations on the first year, but go get your feet wet. You know, next year can always be better, you mm-hmm. know, and, and for the guys I know in the mm-hmm. shop that come in and shop and they, you know, a lot, ask a lot of questions, ask a lot of advice. They're going and doing this hunt. When those guys come back, half of them already planning their next hunt, mm-hmm. you know, and it's yep. get your feet wet and go and do it because you've only got so many years to do it. We've only got so many, so many Septembers like Jim said earlier, or, or maybe it's not September, maybe it's a different hunt in October, November, whatever it might be, but go out and, and, and do it. Cause the longer you wait, the harder it's, it's going to get to be, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's a good tip to set the expectations, not necessarily low, but maybe low as far as filling a tag or what you might shoot. Um, just enjoy being out there in the scenery and the country you're hunting and the game you're pursuing. Not Don't put so much pressure on the actual kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we did a podcast with Jared with Hunting Fool, right. and, and that was a, a real big eye-opener because he's, uh, that's like that's his company is setting it up. And that when he said that, like, you're not going to be successful half the time or more than half the time. But success isn't reached on, you know, how many inches antler you're putting on your packets. There's a lot of other things. And you guys can attest to that because I know personally all three of you have come home empty-handed, you know, once oh, yeah. or twice. And it, it happens. That happens yeah. But you still had a successful right. hunt. I had a great time. I would, I would say for the few hunts that I've been out west, if you can do more research, and I want you to be very, very careful on your research. Don't type in something on YouTube and watch it and think that you're the next Cameron Hands or the next Jim Schulte. <laughs> Do, like, you know, weed through that and come in here and there's experts in the field. We're not just salesmen. There's experts on boots and packs. Like, okay, you don't just go buy a pack off of the shelf. It, it might have to fit you. You know, you might be 150 pounds, 5'8", or you might be 6'3", and weigh 225, and, you know, ribbed. It, Different packs fit different. Different boots fit different. Different clothing works different. Trust your experts and, you know, be willing to put in a little time. I guess a little legwork. No pun intended on that. But, Jim, this was an awesome podcast. I appreciate it all, and I think we're going to probably have many more coming up. Um, like to get with you after season. Kind of tell yeah. us, you know, what you're going to change. I'd, I'd, what I really want to hear about this train to hunt, and you said the beast mode is you're up the next one that's on the list? Yeah, that's coming up in July here. We're doing that. <clears throat> It'd be cool to, to talk about that and have some videos to go along with it. But uh, we're going to wrap things up here. We Again, we appreciate it. On behalf of Brandon and John and Jim, we thank you. My name is Wade. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, we are on a bunch of platforms now for podcasts, so you can just basically type it in in Google. Obviously, you're listening to this one, so you know where we're at. But uh, on behalf of Archie Critchie, thank everybody, and we'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.